The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so, your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Ash Wednesday is just three weeks away from this coming Wednesday, which, if I calculate right, means we have 24 days to eat as much king cake as possible before they disappear. But even more so that Lent is coming upon us. We all know that Lent is that season that uh, it's a special season, a particular season in which we're invited to, uh, to be enlivened in our faith, to unite ourselves with the Lord Jesus ever more deeply, and yet most of the time it seems that Lent sneaks up on us, and before we even remember it's Friday and to stop eating meat, uh, Lent is already half past. Uh, so we, you know, we, we only half seize the season in a certain sense uh, so many times through the course of our life. And the church in our wisdom recognize that. We understand that. And there's an invitation that the church uh, has given in ages past for us to prepare for Lent, Prior to the reforms of the liturgical uh, calendar uh, in 1970, it was actually a three-week season of sorts called pre-Lent. It was called the season of Septuagesima. Septuagesima means the 70 days. Lent means 40 days, right? It's the 40 days. In, in Latin, it was quadragesima. And so rather than count off exactly 21 days before that and call it 61 days, uh, they just added, so 40, and then they went the weekend before it was 50, 60, and 70, the 70-day 70 season. And so it was this three weeks of preparation in which the church would begin to transition into Lent. The priest would begin Septuagesima Sunday, which would, for us would be next Sunday. Uh, he would begin to wear the purple-colored vestments, and he would begin, uh, there would be a couple of liturgical changes but it wouldn't be the full force of the Lenten season just yet. It would be us just kind of visually and, 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 and partly spiritually beginning that transition, such that when Ash Wednesday came, everyone was ready. We were able to give full force to the gift of that season. And while we don't have the season of Septuagesima anymore uh, in our ordinary form calendar, uh, I would like to spend the next three weeks with a, a sort of spiritual homiletic Septuagesima, uh, to spend the next three weeks preparing our hearts for Lent um, and preaching on the things that normally you would hear during the Lenten season. So we know that Lent is especially focused on prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, and so rather than to wait until Lent to begin to talk about those, I want to do that uh, beginning next weekend so that we can have, a, have the time and the opportunity to reflect upon them in our minds and hearts as we prepare to, um, to enter into Lent. Uh, and begin that, that 
traditional prayer, fasting, and almsgiving that the Lenten season encourages us and sometimes requires us to be able to take up. And I, I basically begin there, but also want to encourage us to really take it seriously, to really spend the next three weeks kind of doing some serious soul searching in our hearts and to allow the Lord to challenge us a bit. Because in the scriptures today, we receive some heavy words. The gospel always invites us to hope. It always encourages us. It always pushes us forward. But also sometimes the things that the Lord says, they ought to make us pause a little bit and, and really reflect on where we are in the state of our spiritual life. And most certainly today, the Lord does that in the gospel. He looks around at his disciples, not just the 12, but the, the, the whole group of disciples, and he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, it is good for nothing, simply to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Those are heavy words. If we lose the thing that makes us who we are, if we lose the thing that makes us Christian, if we lose charity within our hearts that resembles that of Jesus Christ, we are useless. The Lord can't work with us because we refuse to be what we have called to be. Salt doesn't change things. We know that salt is used on food to be able to enhance the flavors. It brings out what's already there. It melts together things that are already present. Salt also traditionally is used as a preservative to be able to cure meats and these sorts of things. Who among us going to a friend's house, sitting at their dining room table, prepared to eat a meal, said, I didn't really put much seasoning in it, uh, and I ran out of salt. Is it okay if I give you some sand? No, it's not okay. <laughs> because sand is useless to me. Sand doesn't, it doesn't make the food better. It would make it worse. You do the exact opposite of what salt intended to do. And yet the Lord invites us to reflect on the things of our faith. Of sometimes when we could give salt, when we should be salt, do we rather content ourselves to be salt-like, but more instead simply sand? To look like it, to feel like it but not to taste like it. How easy it can be to let ourselves off the hook. I'm a master at convincing myself out of doing good things and into doing bad things. I can convince myself of anything. That's part of the, the gift of logic in the seminary is you could argue the most absurd points and people will believe it. <laughs> and the same is happening and is able to happen in my heart. And I think this is the same much for all of us. How often it's a reality that the Lord invites us, we feel that, that encouragement to do something good, to take up some particular prayer, to go, to, to go pray, to spend some time in giving ourselves to others, to offer some gift of ourselves, And yet we can talk ourselves out of it for some reason. And yet we content ourselves that it's okay. Maybe it's because, well, I'm better than I used to be. 
I'm better than those people over there. Or it could be worse. I'm doing okay. And to the extent that we permit ourselves to fall into those traps, we content ourselves to be sand, to appear as salt, but not to taste like it. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And a lamp that is lit is not hidden under a basket, but rather it is placed on a lampstand that all might be able to see. Light doesn't change anything either. Much like salt, it simply allows us to see and to experience what's already there. Turning on the light in the dark doesn't mean that things magically appear that weren't there already. Rather, we simply see them. And so light permits us to be able to do that which is good and to refrain from that which is evil. Who among us would take off at a full sprint in a place of total darkness? Or wouldn't we rather put one foot in front of the other and feel if there's a floor there first? Or feel our, our arms in front of us to see if there's something that will hit us in the face? It's the gift of light, is it permits us to do these things and to move more quickly. To be able to do that which isn't otherwise possible, but on account of the light, is made easy. Salt and light. These are the things that the Lord Jesus invites every single one of us to be. And to remember that we indeed are. Not to let ourselves off the hook. Because to let ourselves off the hook, to be able to live less than the fullness of our faith, is a disservice not only to the Lord, who gives us these gifts, a disservice to myself, and whose salvation is in the balance, but also to the world around us. And that's a thing we sometimes can forget. John 3.16 is a, a common verse, a popular verse among so many people. For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son. It wasn't that for God so loved a particular group of people or that God so loved the people that go to church or for God so loved the individuals who receive Jesus. It was God so loved the world, the whole world. Even those who reject Christ, God loves. Those who don't know him, God loves. Those who know him but not very deeply, God loves. Those who know him and love him deeply and profoundly, God loves. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. And Jesus, shortly before his death, before he left this world, he looked at his disciples and he said, As the Father sent me, so I send you. The Father sent me to the world to be light. And so I send you to the world to be light. To let your good deeds glorify the Father. To let the things that you do, the things that you say, be such that when people see it, they marvel. They're struck with awe because of the crazy and beautiful things that God has done in you. Salt and light. The whole world hangs in the balance, not just my particular soul. The whole world needs you to be able to go out and to see, to glorify God, to do exactly what we've done, what we heard in the first reading, to give food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty, 
They clothe the naked to give care for those who are sick. Traditionally, we call these the corporal works of mercy. We can add the spiritual works of mercy to them. But basically, it's to simply be who we are. To taste like salt, because we are salt. To be light, that others might see Christ in us. And so we pray the grace of this Eucharist to be with us today and to touch our hearts, that we might not lose our taste and be simply useless, but rather that we will maintain our taste and intensify it, that we might be great instruments in the hands of our Lord. So are we salt or are we sand?